Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Born people that God was going to send foreign invaders to bring judgment upon them. Now, how would you like to be the prophet assigned to that message? Hosea, he was instructed to marry a prostitute simply to illustrate how God felt about Israel's unfaithfulness. The prophet Jeremiah was inspired to go to the riverbank and bury a linen sash. And after time had elapsed for it to decay, he was to go and he went back and he dug it up and he took that visual aid and he preached with it, reminding the Jews of their own spiritual decay. Pretty good object lesson, right? Of all the prophets, I think, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel was probably the most famous for his symbolic gestures. Uh, I call him the stuntman of the Bible. Ezekiel laid on his side for over a year. Another time he shaved his head with a sword. Ezekiel was even told to cook his food over cow chips. Hello. I guess that'll work if you like your steak well dung. Never mind. You follow me? Here's the point. In times past, God spoke in many ways by many people. So these Old Testament revelations, they were revelations, but they had their limitations. Because scattered messages can be difficult to synchronize. Think about this. This is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. Bits and pieces can be challenging to fit together. And after the last prophet had uttered his message, there were people who still didn't understand the heart of God. And when the prophet spoke of God's might, Israel would forget about God's mercy. And when another prophet came and emphasized God's love, they would forget about God's wrath. And when the prophet spoke of God's greatness, Israel would fail to see God's gentleness. And when the prophets communicated, the people heard the immediate message, but they failed to put it all together. Right? So to them in the Old Testament, God's revelation became like a, a giant jigsaw puzzle. Got anybody in here likes to do jigsaw puzzles? I mean, I don't, they get on my nerves. I get anxiety. I'm like, this one looks like it should fit here. But it's not connecting. So pieces were scattered. Pieces, I'm talking about revelation. Pieces of revelation were scattered all over the tabletop of the Old Testament. And there was no sense of a complete picture. So God's plan in the New Testament was to have a way to connect all that he had spoken and pull it all together into one single message. 
He wanted to roll up his divine will into a single revelation. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that he did just that by sending his son. Now, did you see that? Hebrews tells us that the child that was born to Mary, laid in a manger, was God's full and final message to man. Today, church, how many know there's nothing more to be said? There's nothing that's been left unsaid. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. Praise God. God displayed his genius in the miracle that we call Christmas because the best way to communicate a message is not to break it down and send it out in portions, but to send the messenger himself. And Christ the Son became the embodiment of God's will, God's ways, and God's word. God's words were integrated with his actions. You not only saw his deeds, you heard his heart. You not only heard his heart, you saw his deeds. And so Christ delivered God's words and performed God's work. And there was never a confusing gap of inconsistency between the two. Christ gives us a full revelation of God the Father. John 1.18 basically tells us, if we want to know what the Heavenly Father is like, you look at who? Jesus, the Son, because he reveals the Father to us. So today, God declares his message and expresses his heart and conveys his words to us and reveals his will through Christ. Now, Christ is the ultimate message from God to mankind. And I'd venture to say there's not a person in this room this morning who doesn't desire for God to speak to them. Would you say, that's me. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't want God to speak to you. Yet perhaps maybe you're here and you're looking, God to, uh, looking for God to speak like he did to Moses at the burning bush. Or maybe you'd like him to speak uh, uh, to you like he did at, uh, to Elijah in the cave. But how many know God's not obligated to speak to us in any way in these last days? Listen, if we want to hear him speak uh, loud and clear, all we need to do is tune in to his son. Praise God. Because in Christ, all the truths of God connect and fit together. That's why Christmas is about connections. Because a, converge, a convergence took place on that first Christmas. Everything in the plan and will of God came together. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you five observations about five connections that took place on Christmas. Here we go. Are you ready? First... Christmas is a connection between the past and the present. You know, a quick reading of the uh, Gospel of Matthew reveals a ton of Old Testament references. Matthew 1.23 is actually a quote from Isaiah 7.14. Behold, a virgin shall uh, conceive and, and bear a son and uh, call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. Matthew 2 and 6 quotes Micah. 
5 and 2. It says, Thou Bethlehem in Judea, uh, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? Out of thee shall come a ruler uh, that shall rule my people. That the Messiah would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in that little town of Bethlehem, were both facts foretold long before their actual occurrence. Later, Matthew quotes from Hosea. Later, he quotes from Jeremiah. And after reading the Gospels, you'd almost think the Old Testament was kind of like a, a fill-in-the-blank quiz. And Jesus is the answer to all the questions. Right? Jesus was the final stanza to the song that the prophets had been singing for centuries. The hope of the Old Testament saints were fulfilled in Jesus. And when the Christ child was born, that cold night ended, the first rays of a new day dawned, and the grim past gave way to an exciting present and a hopeful future, and that's what prompted the split in our calendar into A.D. and B.C., right? It was the recognition that that first Christmas was a connection between what had been spoiled by man's sin all the way back in the garden and the beginnings of God's promise of redemption. All right, so it connects us, the past, with the present. Second, Christmas also is a connection between the East and the West. How many remember about the time Christ was born, a star appeared in the East over what we believe is Babylon? It was actually near Babylon where the astrologers saw the uh, astronomical marvel, and they took notice. Now, these wise men were mystics. They were kind of like the Persian form of the Dalai Lama. I mean, they, yet they, they had been influenced by men familiar with the Hebrew God because all the way back as far as Moses, which was over 1,400 years earlier, a Persian guy in the Old Testament by the name of Balaam. Anybody remember Balaam? He uttered a God-given prophecy. His words are recorded in Numbers 24, 17. He said, there shall come a star out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Balaam associated the appearance of a star with the coming of a ruler. And then a closer contemporary with these wise men of the first Christmas was actually Daniel. He had also influenced these dignitaries who would later visit Christ. In Daniel 6, the prophet uh, Daniel predicted the very time that this Jewish king would appear in the nation of Israel. So from Daniel's prophecy, the Magi could calculate Christ's approximate time of arrival. So both Daniel and Balaam had basically primed the pump, okay? They sensitized the eastern wizards to be looking westward for a sign that the Savior was going to be born. And what a sign it was and what a sight when this caravan from the east rides into Jerusalem looking for this newborn king. East was actually meeting west. You see, Gentiles were visiting Jews. That's what was happening. The wise men looked and dressed strangely. Their mere appearance frightened the Jewish king Herod, we know. And though the Jewish scholars in Jerusalem knew the scriptures exactly where the promised king was to be born, how many know they refused to join the caravan? 
They were only a few miles from the Messiah who was uh, born to die, first for the Jews, yet they and their own brothers were too proud to go and join the Magi in worship. So a reception for the newborn king was left up to not the Jews, but the Gentiles. Right. So the baby Jesus reached across the entire continent and connected lost people who were a world away, and he pulled them into God's promises. You're here today because you've been pulled in to God's promises. Praise God. As an infant baby, Jesus began his work of connecting the disconnected and uniting people even as a child. I'm so glad I'm part of the family of God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. We got to keep moving here or your roast is going to burn. Speaking of bringing people together, thirdly, here's my third observation. Christmas connects young people with older people. Recall Mary's encounter with Anna and Simeon in the temple. Brother James Schaefer did a great job this morning in the Bible Adventure Hour teaching this. You see, Mary was a teenager, we believe. Anna and Simeon were senior saints, right? You know, it was said of Anna, she was of a great age. When the Bible calls you great age, you know you're old. Many commentators set Anna's age at around 100 years old or more. Wow, she had been on Social Security for several decades, right? And old Simeon wasn't no spring chicken either. And the Holy Spirit had assured him that he would not pass away until he had laid his eyes on that promised child. What a memorable moment there in the temple when two old-timers connected with the teenage mom and bonded over the baby in their arms. Hello. Christmas still connects young and older. Fourthly, Christmas connects, here's one I like, the mundane with the miraculous. Picture the nativity with me for just a moment. When the miracle of all miracles take place, try to imagine what it meant when God takes on fragile flesh. The divine comes into the world and now he's a baby with a spleen and a liver and a couple kidneys. Hello. And Mary lays that child in the manger. Yet as miraculous as all of this was, its surroundings were every bit as monotonous and may I even say messy. Remember, where was he born? In a barn. He was not born in a maternity ward. Cows were mooing. Sheep were bleating. Dogs were barking. Chickens were cluck, clucking. I started to say cluckling, but I don't think that's right. Didn't sound right. The, the stable was a place as earthy as you could get. 
And recall what brought the couple to Bethlehem in the first place. The location of the childbirth had been foretold by Micah, the prophet, 700 years earlier. Yet I doubt if that biblical detail ever crossed Joseph's mind as he loaded uh, his pregnant wife Mary on the back of a donkey for that three-day ride. As they walked the dusty roads down the Jordan Valley, Joseph probably blasted the tyrant in Rome who had ordered such a senseless census. Why, I can hear him mutter, isn't it enough that Augustus rules the world? Why does that power-hungry emperor have to brag about the number of his subjects? But yet, God was using something as earthly as Caesar's inflated ego to fulfill a divine, eternal will of God. Hello, church, how's that for merging the mundane with the miraculous? Praise God. Christmas connects the run of the mill with the will of God. You might think it's coincidence, but with God, it's providence. All right, here's my last point. Fifthly, and most importantly, Christmas connects heaven with earth. Now, remember the star the wise men followed to the house of Bethlehem, or the house in Bethlehem where Joseph and Mary were raising Jesus? It's possible that this star was a celestial phenomenon or could have been a physical manifestation of God's glory. I'm not sure. Opinions abound. Okay, but whatever it was, it became a big deal. It reminds me of the uproar just a few years back over uh, a nearby, or what do they call it, a near flyby of uh, the comet. What, is it Halley's? Is it Halley's? I believe it was Halley's, or Halley's. Is it Hal or Hay? Haley. I read about that where one lady, she was into that. And she said, I want to get as close to it as I can when it flies by. And so she had found out that if you go to Peru, you're going to have the best view. So she flew all the way to Peru. And after that comet passed by, she, this is what she said. She said, that's it? Hello. She said, is that all there is? She said, I came 4,000 miles to see a crummy little fuzzball. She was obviously disappointed, but I want to tell you no one reacted that way to the star that the wise men saw. It was a signal to those who noticed that heaven had come to earth. The eternal had mingled with time, and God was now dabbling in the affairs of man. A divine visitation was occurring, thank to of what happened in the shepherd's fields of dirty, grimy shepherds trying to keep warm by a fire. They smell like sheep and smoke. They're telling stories and killing time. Just another night having a boring job, but then suddenly the skies open, the fields outside of Bethlehem 
hallelujah, and a curtain rises between time and eternity, and the shepherds who are used to seeing sheep in the midnight moonlight are now closing their eyes because of the blinding light of the glory of God. Somebody ought to say, I'm glad that Christmas is about connections where heaven touched earth. The host of angels, Luke says, a multitude, praise God, appeared to those shepherds saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Listen, how odd is that? A collision of the physical and spiritual, eternal and seasonal, all occur above the shepherds' fields. Listen, it's heaven coming to earth. It was God coming down to be a man. And this is why we can say Christmas is about connections. On that first Christmas, God connected all the dots. That's what he did. A convergence took place between, let's recap, past and present, east and west, young and old, mundane and miracle, and heaven and earth. Praise God. And here's our application. 2,000 years later, how many know Christmas is still about connections? Hmm? Every Christmas draws a line connecting past and present, east and west, young and old, mundane and miracle, heaven and earth. And Christmas is still the time of year when God can connect all the dots in our lives. When God entered this divided world, he did so as a baby. Think of that, church. I just thought of that this week again. Because a baby... Disarms pride, prejudice, racial bigotry, right? I mean, who cares if, a, if the baby's yellow, black, white, red? Because a baby is a picture of innocence. A baby is a picture of purity. A baby defies stereotypes and characterizations. <coughs> A baby is first and foremost human. Who doesn't love a baby? Come on. Right? Who doesn't love a baby? A baby can wiggle its way into a calloused heart when nothing else can. Christmas still prompts these type of connections. Christmas draws us to the babe in the manger. In coming as a babe... God slipped past prejudices. He humbled himself to appeal to everyone everywhere. Is that not right? And when we embrace Christ as our Lord, how many know we then connect with everyone else who worships him and calls him their Lord? See, Christmas is all about heaven breaking through to earth and God intervening in human affairs. Christmas proved that God doesn't sit in the heavens with folded arms, expecting us to work it all out on our own. Rather, God jumps into our mess. I said he gets into our muck and our mire. He comes humbly as a baby, and the wise men were looking for God to provide a sign and in Simeon waited for God to fulfill a promise 
Mary and Joseph had obeyed and were now trusting God for their welfare. What are you, as we stand together, what are you looking for God to do this Christmas? Listen, whatever that might be, Christmas heightens our expectations, doesn't it? And it reminds me that Jesus invades stables. He invades offices. He invades homes with his miracles. Praise God. You may need a miracle. I said, you may need a miracle. And guess what? Christmas just might be the time. It comes. Amen? Why? Because God loves to connect the dots. On, the own, on, our, on their own, bits and pieces of our lives can seem just random. But aren't you go- glad that God, God makes sense of everything? Praise God. Christmas is about connection. And here's my final point. Since Christmas is all about connections, let me ask you, are you connected to Jesus? How many know that's the most important connection that we could ever make? Right? Maybe your connection with Christ has grown a little weak over the past few months. Maybe your connection with Christ has become a little distant over the last few months. How many know there's no better time to reconnect with Christ as your Savior and as your Lord and to place Him on the throne of your heart? No greater time than at Christmas, right? Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will be taken into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with you this Christmas. God, may we grow in our faith and connect with that still, small voice within our soul. Help us to be attentive to your call so that so that we can have that greater connection this Christmas to you. As we connect with family and friends this, this Christmas, God, help us to realize the greatest connection we could ever have is with you. Open the eyes of our heart so we can behold your majesty. Walk with us and take us to new levels where we can experience an outpouring of your love and your mercy and your grace. Oh, hallelujah. God, I hunger and I thirst for the things of you. May we all share that hunger this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Anybody here want to connect with Jesus this Christmas? Why don't you slip out of your seat? Why don't you come and join us here across the front? This morning might be the connection that you've been needing. Oh, hallelujah. Because Christmas is about connections. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.